Welcome to the For the Throne Dynasty Podcast. Starring your defending champion, Randy of House Santarelli, Ryan of House Palmer, Logan of House Meyer, Tyler of House Para, Danny of House Sladke, Jake of House Hollyfield, Andy of House Pollock, Michael of House Sladke, Justin of House St. Peter, Steve of House Ellinger, Garrett of House Sturkin, and Will of House Larson. Welcome into the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. I am guest starred today by Ryan, a.k.a. Prince Palmer. Today we are going to be talking about Jake's team, a.k.a. Cascade Bear. The title of his team is Running Back Fetish, and we can see that from his roster. That's essentially what he loves is running backs. I just wanted to mention that we did have two trades go down, both happening with Lefty, and Lefty traded away in the first one. Melvin Gordon in exchange for LaVisca Chenault and a second-round pick in 2022. Did you have thoughts on that trade? I thought it was a pretty decent trade. Um, Lefty wanted to get rid of Melvin Gordon. I know that running back's his biggest area of need, so maybe he's just going to go ahead and try to replenish that in upcoming drafts. I think he could have got a little more for him for sure because Melvin Gordon's going to easily be a starting running back. I know everybody has the Philip Lindsay scares, Pat Shermer's coming in with the Broncos, and he has always used one running back. He used it with LaShawn McCoy. He used it with Saquon Barkley when he was with the Giants. So I don't think he's going to change that in his system. He's not going to be like an outstanding running back going forward in Dynasty, but it's a nice short-term piece for Sterk Daddy. The second deal then happened between Lefty and Will. Lefty ended up sending away Le'Veon Bell in exchange for Kareem Hunt and a second-round pick. Did you have thoughts on that trade? I liked the trade for Will that got Le'Veon Bell. I think that was a good trade for him. I'm not a Kareem Hunt fan, so that's why. Quick other point for that other one. Um, I do think Melvin Gordon, he got paid a lot of money, so I think he's going to expect a lot of volume. So, I I mean, I think, as you mentioned, he's not going to be a great running back, but I definitely he's going to grab a lot of the volume back to the cream hunt trade i really like it for will i think Le'Veon bill will have a huge breakout year i think will got a starting running back he finally needed something like that instead of a bunch of random scat backs looking at both of these trades i really think that lefty could have got a first round pick for both of them stirk daddy and will will probably have pretty solid teams i still think that he could have got a first round pick in both of those deals so we'll see who he trots out there for running backs moving forward now that kareem hunt is his running back one we're going to talk a little bit about running back fetish here the first thing i want to talk about is just his veterans draft currently on his roster has 14 of his 25 drafted players that includes his first 12 picks which is kind of interesting that he hasn't either traded or dropped any of those guys So we're looking at a kind of different perspective. So he starts right off the bat at 108, taking Joe Mixon, and that was big. You know, he's facing a holdout. I don't think he ends up doing it with the new players agreement that is put in place. It really hurts running backs to hold out at this point because it doesn't even count as a contracted year. Uh, But then he goes three straight running backs. He went Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, and Marlon Mack. 
What do you think about that approach of three straight running backs? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting approach. I think he was definitely one of the the people that kind of went running back heavy. Um, you know, not a terrible idea, but, I mean, he's got two solid backs in Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones. A lot of question marks, obviously, with Marlon Mack. Um, and now you got Jonathan Taylor in. He's going to be a workhorse, I think. So, you know, maybe not the worst decision, but I would – if I was him, I would have uh, looked at the wide receiver position a little bit more. So in the third round, he had back-to-back picks. At 307, that he took Marlon Mack, but then at 308, he also took Baker Mayfield as his quarterback. Maybe a little too early on Baker. But at the time, you know, he was coming off an outstanding rookie year, yeah. so it definitely made sense for him to go as high and, as he did. And he did have a lot of weapons around him, you know, a lot of hype in Cleveland, so... And then he finally takes his first wide receiver at 405 with T.Y. Hilton. So looking at it then, he went three straight wide receivers with T.Y. Hilton, Kelvin Ridley, and Mike Williams. I do still like T.Y. Hilton. I know that he's getting up there in age, and he's injured at times. But Kelvin Ridley, I've already praised how much I love Kelvin Ridley. Mike Williams, me being a Charger fan, I like him as well in the red zone, especially because of his height and his wingspan. Uh, Basically, you just throw him jump balls like Kenny Galladay or any of these other big guys. And then at 8.05, he took his first IDP, and he went back-to-back with Tremaine Edmonds and then Jamal Adams. Uh, Jamal Adams, we'll kind of see what happens with him. You know, he just demanded a trade, uh, but he is easily a top-three safety in the league. And then he gets a real steal at 11.08. He takes Mark Andrews, who at the time, the Ravens were running out a three-tight-end system with Boyle and Hurst. And, man, he really took off. Looking at some of the other players in the 14th, he took a backup quarterback in Jameis. Uh, he took Jimmy Graham at 16.05. I know that he was really voicing how much he hates Jimmy Graham towards the end of the year. Now he's a bear. I'm looking here at his 18th through his 24th rounds for the rookie draft, and he has cut or traded all of those guys. The main one here being DJ Chark, who he drafted in the 23rd round. That's freaking nuts. And now I know that you love DJ Chark, I right? I love DJ Chark. <laughs> He's sitting on my my starting squad. And you now thank you, Jake, for working out a deal. And um, I think he added some depth to that. But, yeah, DJ Chark, um, another you know kind of deep sleeper pick with Mark Andrews. I think those two were such a good deep sleep pick that no one saw that. I remember we were sitting at Stubby's during the rookie draft, and I was not happy when he took Devin Singletary. I was so locked in on taking him with my first rookie pick, and I didn't end up getting him. I was not happy I at think all. you flung like a tater tot or something out across the way because I just, yeah, you were you were pretty heated. And I, I was actually eyeing him too. I think he got a lot of praise, and uh, he's a good back. Now, we most likely won't see this happen where an IDP in a rookie draft goes this early anymore, but we had like four in a five-pick span. And Jake takes Devin Bush, who actually was a good IDP. He's looking like he's going to have a nice career there with Pittsburgh. That was a little early for Devin Bush. He probably could have got a better positional player, but I know that he's going to kind of fit right in there in either his linebacker or IDP flex position. In the third round, he took Benny Snell, who... He did get a chance when James Conner went down and when Jalen Samuels went down, and he actually took advantage of it. He played really, really well in that limited time. We'll see what his role really is in the NFL moving forward. And then in the fourth, he took Dexter Williams, who is a Packer running back. He no longer has him on the team. So looking back at his rookie draft, he has three out of four picks left on his team. Any last thoughts on his draft before we move into his depth chart? 
No, I, th- I thought he, you know, had some sneaky good picks. Mike Williams, obviously, Mark Andrews, and I mean, he was smart with Calvin Ridley. So overall, I think he wasn't. It wasn't a terrible, you know, inaugural draft. And I think moving forward, I think he'll build upon with some great rookie pieces and hopefully get a tad younger. Let's move into his depth chart. So when we look at his depth chart here, he's got two entire rows of running backs. So that's definitely his favorite position, it seems. If we look at his quarterbacks, he's got Baker Mayfield, Drew Locke, Derek Carr, and Jameis Winston. Now, I do believe that Jameis will get a starting job at some point. I mean, Drew Brees is probably in his last year. We'll see what happens if we don't even have a season, you know, if he's going to retire or come back. But I would hold on to Jameis Winston personally. But then you look at his other quarterbacks, he's got Baker Mayfield, Drew Locke, Derek Carr. So uh, those are all just middling guys. And we'll kind of talk about my advice for that. You know, which of those quarterbacks is your favorite moving forward in Dynasty? Honestly, I'm on the Drew Locke train. I really like Drew Locke. I think he's got tons of weapons now. I think moving forward, Baker Mayfield, again, you know, don't count out Baker. He's got a good, got good legs. And, you know, I think he's got something to prove in Cleveland. So um, not very high on Derek Carr or Jameis. You know when Jameis gets on the field, he's going to sling it, though. Obviously, he's going to throw a bunch of picks, but he will rack up the yards. Yeah, he will. As the footballers always say, Jameis Winston is great for fantasy, terrible for NFL. So if we look at his running backs here, starting off, he's got Joe Mixon. And then he also has Aaron Jones and Devin Singletary. I like those three right there. Other running backs he has are Sony Michelle, Antonio Gibson, who we drafted this past draft, Marlon Mack, Benny Snell, Deion Lewis, Gus Edwards, Peyton Barber, Brian Hill, and Devontae Booker. So what do you think about those running backs? Anyone that sticks out to you? Uh, well, Mixon, Aaron Jones, Devin Singletary, Sonny Michelle, I think those guys are going to be just impactful for their teams. Um, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Sonny Michelle, volume-driven. Devin Singletary might have some issues with splitting carries with Zach Moss. Um, you know, Antonio Gibson is good. The one thing I noticed, though, is there's not a lot of package deals here. I know in Dynasty we like to get backups and just a whole bunch of, you know, hodgepodge of different backs in the, in the backfield. So it could, you know, potentially with injuries and Joe Mixon, I think he will play, but uh, he's not really hedging his running back core. Now, when we look at his wide receivers, he doesn't have many. And he starts with Calvin Ridley. He's got Debo Samuel, T.Y. Hilton, Mike Williams, Darius Slayton, Rashad Perriman, and Marquise Lee. Do you have any that you like in that beginning group? Uh, Kelvin Ridley, um, I think you also are on the same page. He's just an absolute stud. I think he's such a good piece for his team. Um, T.Y. Hilton, again, a little bit aged, but he's such a good guy in Indy, and I think he's going to get so many targets. Mike Williams, I actually really like. Sneaky pick. Um, I think he's going to have a lot of good good targets, and you know, hopefully that offense is still humming. Darius Slayton, um, I sad to get him off my roster, but I'm glad it's he ended up with uh, with Jake. I think he's going to have a good year. And uh, Brashad Perriman and Marquise Lee, not too high on, but I guess they'll work for now. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens with Brashad Perriman with the Jets. Tight ends then. He's got Mark Andrews, Albert Okwubinum, a.k.a. Albert O, uh, Greg Olson, Jordan Akins, and Trey Burton. 
Mark Andrews obviously is a stud. I think he's the number three tight end moving forward in Dynasty. Some of those other guys, the only one that really sticks out to me for this season at least is Greg Olson because he's going to be a starter. But outside of that, like Albert O is probably going to be either a blocker or just not very utilized on the field. I don't really know what his skill set is. Uh, Trey Burton, just one of like the eight tight ends in the Colts, like always. So his kicker also was Young Ho Koo. So Young Ho Koo, you know, I got some bad blood for him because he played on the Chargers and was just absolute garbage. And then he came out of nowhere. I think he came from like the AAF. And he signs with the Atlanta Falcons. And my God, I think he scored double digits in like five of eight games. So he actually played really, really well. Moving on to the defense then. In the defensive line, he has DeForest Buckner, who is now a member of the Colts after being traded from the 49ers. And then also Carlos Dunlap, who's a pretty reliable defensive lineman there in Cincinnati. In the linebackers, he's got Tremaine Edmonds. I told you he's a pretty awesome IDP stud. Devin Bush, same exact boat. Shaquille Barrett, actually pretty solid as well for Tampa. And then Patrick Queen, who the Ravens recently drafted. He's on his taxi right now. We'll see if he keeps him there or move him to his active roster. Then he's got two stud DBs in Jamal Adams and Minka Fitzpatrick, who is now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do you have any thoughts on any of his defensive players? I, I like all his defensive players, to be honest. This might be the one, like the only team that I've looked down the defense, and I'm like, wow, he's he's like efficient when he picks his IDPs. Patrick Queen, I'm super high on. Devin Bush, Tremaine Adams, Edmonds, they're just beasts. Um, obviously, DeForest Buckner coming over from San Francisco to Indy. He's going to you know, just be an absolute monster. Um, and then you got two of the best, probably top at least seven DBs with Jamal Adams and Mika Fitzpatrick. So uh, really good job on IDPs. I think that's probably one of his strengths. Looking at his picks, so he, in 2021, has a first, second, third, fifth, and sixth. He does not have a fourth because he traded that over to you. 2022 and th- 23, he's got first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. So he has not done anything with those picks yet. As of this moment, Jake needs to make six cuts. So I just want you to kind of mention who the people are you think he could be cutting. So I'm going to start with the the running back core as he's probably got to shed some weight there. Um, so I have Deion Lewis. Um, I think he's not really relevant anymore. Um, he's getting old. Um, this might surprise people, but Gus Edwards, he I think he should try to trade to whoever has uh, J.K. Dobbins. Brian Hill irrelevant in my book Devonte booker he's probably gonna get cut yep um the other two come from the tight ends um maybe another shocker greg olson i know he's a starter in seattle this year he's old he's very he gets injured i feel like every year i just don't think it really renders i mean i get it he's a starter but i would not i would cut him uh and then jordan akins again not very relevant in my book. Another cut that I would see happening. I, I like Trey Burton. I would keep him um, just a personal uh, personal preference, I guess. So my six cuts, I'm going to start with the tight ends because there's two there I don't like. I don't like Jordan Aikens and I don't like Trey Burton. The reason for that is they're both backups with Indianapolis. They have Jack Doyle there. And I don't really know what Trey Burton's role is going to be. Knowing the fact that he already has five tight ends on the team, he doesn't need that many. Jordan Akins, he could be involved. I know that 
just from last year alone with the Houston tight ends, you'd have like a random one go off. According to the depth chart, the starting tight end is Darren Fells. However, I don't really know what the impact of Jordan Aikens is going to be. Uh, other ones are Devontae Booker. You already mentioned that he's going to probably get cut. They already have enough running backs in Las Vegas. Brian Hill, he is a running back with the Atlanta Falcons. Gurley's there, and when he is not healthy, it's probably going to be Edo Smith. But I don't like either of those backups. They're pretty non-important. I also have Peyton Barber in there just because of how many running backs they have with the Washington, I don't know what to call them, because <laughs> that's going to be changed shortly. Thank God. And then also Dion Lewis, as you kind of mentioned, he's the backup there with the Giants. Uh, and I don't really know if he's going to even matter moving forward. So that's what we got on Jake's startup draft, his depth chart, his draft picks and then also some of his cuts we're going to come right back and talk about some commentary So we're going to talk a little bit about Jake's team here. Kind of bounce back and forth with our ideas. Uh, Ryan, how about you start with one of your points? Sure. Um, I think I'm going to start with the running back situation as he has a fetish, I guess, for him, for them. Um, definitely need to cut some um, with this upcoming year in the season. Um you know, I think he can maybe try to trade a couple for handcuffs with other with other teams, or package them up and get some mid round, you know, draft picks next year just to kind of build upon his maybe wide receiver depth. I do like the trade though that he made with me. In of course you of, do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I think it benefits though. You know, getting Sony, I think he's going to be a volume back, and Darius Slayton is a young star, um, but he's going to have some you know tough time with that target share. In New York. So I'm going to kind of build on that with his trio of running backs being Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, and Singletary. So Aaron Jones, I love Aaron Jones. And the reason for this is he's going to be a free agent coming up here at the Packers that did draft A.J. Dillon. You know, are they willing to pay Aaron Jones to be determined? But even if they don't, he's going to get a good contract somewhere else because he's a very good running back. Mike McCarthy clearly didn't see that, and he saw the door. Also with Joe Mixon, he's one of the best running backs in the league. If I knew that he was going to be playing in any league format, I'd say he's probably a top six pick. And then Singletary is kind of a wild card because he did show a ton of flashes last year. He was an awesome rookie. However, they just went and they drafted one that's going to take away a ton of goal line carries. Singletary is going to be used in the passing game a lot, but it's kind of to be seen. He's probably more of a flex guy until... He's actually given the opportunity to be a starter or full-fledged guy. Does Mixon hold out? Uh, I highly doubt it because, again, I, I kind of talked about how it wouldn't be beneficial for any running back now due to the collective bargaining agreement to hold out. They have a good offense. He's going to be used a ton, even with a rookie quarterback. But I know you have something on your side about uh, Gio Bernard. Yeah, he's sitting on my sitting on my roster in case Jake is interested um just in case again i really don't think mixon will hold out but 
you know, in my sake, I kind of hope he does because then I think Gio would slide in and take a lot of that, obviously, volume away from from whoever is the third backup. We have a mutual mindset on Antonio Gibson. Jake was right ahead of me, and I I was like, I was gunning for Antonio Gibson. I really like him. I think he's going to be a really good piece. I mean, they're, compar- they're comparing him to, like, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it's, it's very high praise, so I think he is the real deal. I have a bold take that Randy, if he's listening, is not going to like because he has Geis, and he still thinks Geis is worth a first-round pick. Yikes. Yeah. Antonio Gibson, I think, will be the starter at some point this season. He's so talented. I'm looking forward to seeing what Antonio Gibson can kind of do. I know you kind of talk about Mark Andrews on your side, and so do I. I think he is an unbelievable tight end. He's going to be one of the best tight ends moving forward. You know, when Kelsey is out of the league, we're going to be looking at guys like Kittle and Andrews right at the top, and then whoever else kind of breaks out. But I think that there should be no chance at all that he's trading Mark Andrews, especially when we saw who his other tight ends were. Calvin Ridley, I've made my opinion clear. I think he would look really, really nice on my team. Maybe maybe try it out, and then if it doesn't go well, I could, could send him back to you, just like a rental or something like that. But IDPs, though. So he has two top 10 defensive backs in Jamal Adams and Minka Fitzpatrick. And we kind of both said here, should he trade one of those or do you think that he should keep them? Do you have an uh, opinion of what you would do with those two? I would actually, if it was my team, I would try to trade, um, you know, either one. I'd probably lean more toward Jamal Adams. Again, he wants out of the Jets. He's going to land somewhere if he does and just be an absolute you know, wreak havoc wherever he goes. And you love Patrick Queen. And you I, love yes. Tremaine Edmonds. I love those guys. I think I think they're going to be absolute just monsters. And I think they're two of my like favorite IDPs. We're going to talk about the elephant in the room, which was your DJ Chark trade. Oh, yeah. And I know you're ecstatic about it. I, I was doing backflips. Yeah, I, I bet you were. backflips there, man. Okay, so the details are you get DJ Chark and somehow you get a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> as, as, as if it wasn't even fair already. Yeah. Uh, and then you sent away Darius Slayton, which supposedly Jake has been super high on, and then Sony Michelle. And I have in here, why? Because he's adding another running back. <laughs> At least I was hoping he would do you know something more horizontal trade where he'd get like two wide receivers. He honestly could from your team if he was going to give away DJ Chark. For me, DJ Chark and Ridley... And I, I'm saying this because even though I love Ridley, I think both those guys are holds because they're going to be outstanding. And if they break out this year, if then he wanted to trade them, that the price he would get for them would be so much higher. And that's why I was frustrated about it. But I know that you got rid of Sony, who you had for a very, very short time oh, anyway. It, like, it was like a day, I felt like. You've already talked about your high price for Drew Locke. And I definitely agree that he has some high potential there with all those weapons, young weapons there in Denver. I also have a comment in here that he does have a bunch of middling quarterbacks now. Of course, Baker was a very early pick for him, but I think he could like package one or two of those together, maybe, or like package one of them with something else and then upgrade at the quarterback position. So, looking at that, knowing he has four that are all starters in the NFL, well, sorry, I should say three if you take out Jameis, but he will be a starter probably next year. He could probably package an upgrade at that position. Just like last week, I have in here in parentheses Mr. JSP because he has Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray. So maybe that's something that, you know, Justin and Jake want to pursue. Maybe not. 
I also wanted to touch on a couple trades because I know you you kind of mentioned, you know, they're going to be interesting to see what happens going forward. He traded away his 103 and the 404 to me for Drew Locke, pick 211, and then the 201. So he got two seconds and Drew Locke in exchange for the 103. I don't think he should have made that move, you know, just because you're going to get two second-round picks and a starting quarterback. The 103 is probably much more important because you're going to be drafting a player that's going to be guaranteed. Looking back, the 103 was Sterk taking J.K. Dobbins. Mm. I know that he loves running backs, but he could have done that, or he could have even taken like a C.D. Lamb or a Jerry Judy. Judy. I still can't believe Judy fell that far. Yeah. I had a point here. You know, I think going through the season, just to seeing how it goes with your team, I think this is a good team where – you know he's got some pieces that, but he needs to build a lot upon. So depending on what his first six, seven games go, if he's kind of going down the slippery slope, I think it's starting to look at where am I? Like like you said, the quarterbacks. Can I package something for picks? Can I do something for other play other teams? What their needs are? Yeah, I also found it interesting. He traded away a third round pick in exchange for two fourths. I think he was just trying to add on with the rookies there. And then the last trade that he did most recently was he traded away two seconds for Debo. Now, I don't quite understand why so many people were critical about it. I know that he's now injured, but Debo Samuel is one of the young. I think he's going to be a breakout at some point in the next two years. In addition to receiving the ball, he also runs the ball a ton there with the San Francisco 49ers. That's their scheme. I think Debo, and obviously he's the wide receiver one there. So... I love Debo Samuel. I thought it was a big win for him. Yeah. I know a lot of people disagreed. I, I agree. I love Debo Samuels. I think he's going to be, you know, obviously with the injury, obviously that sucks, but I think he's such a good, really good wide receiver piece um, to hold on to and watch him just absolutely destroy uh, defenses probably, you know, in two years. So. And then one last thing I wanted to kind of mention, just kind of out of comedic relief, from our recent rookie draft is I remember Jake jumped in like right at the end of the third round and then he reached out to first he reached out to me and he said hey I'll give you a fourth round pick for AJ Brown well I don't even have AJ Brown (laughs) and then he's like okay fine I'll give you a fourth round pick for DeAndre Hopkins and I'm like wait what what did you just say to me so that was just hilarious because I remember Randy was pissed when he did that but I'm like, dude, it's fine. It's just like funny. Yeah. He thought he was like serious about it, which there's no way he was. No, no. Take an idiot for that yeah. to happen. Yeah, yeah. But that was just hilarious, and uh, that's a moment I'll always remember from I, this I last draft. That was like a, a shining spot in the draft. Like everyone had a good kick out of it, and it was funny. I, I enjoyed it. Okay, we're gonna be right back to talk about Jake's 2019 season. look at his season that he had here didn't have a streak bigger than two whether that be in the win streak or the losing streak two two game losing streaks and then he had two two game win streaks so we're going to go through the matchups here first of all in week one he played against ryan and he lost to ryan by 7.6 so very very close matchup 
and his leading score was T.Y. Hilton with 28.7. Yours was Lamar Jackson with 43.5. So you knew right away that you had an absolute steal after week one with Lamar, and you moved Jake to 0-1 on the season. In week two then, he played against Will, and he beat Will by 14.9. Jake's leading scorer was Mark Andrews with 25.2, and then Will's leading scorer was Tom Brady with 28.6. After week two, Jake was one and one. Then came a two-game losing streak. So in week three, Jake lost to, rest in peace, Rowdy, you asshole, by 10.8. And his leading scorer was T.Y. Hilton once again with 20 and a half. And then Rowdy's leading scorer was Deshaun Watson with 31.8. In week four, rest in peace, Taco. He lost to Taco. And he lost to Taco by 12.3. His leading scorer was Aaron Jones with 17.8. That's gross. So that's not a good matchup. And then Taco's leading scorer was James Conner with 26.5. So after week four, Jake was 1-3. Week five then, he ends the losing streak and beats Justin by 25.9. And his leading scorer was Aaron Jones with, man, 49.2. Holy crap. And Justin's leading scorer was Amari Cooper with 39.6. So after week five, Jake is two and three. Week six then, Jake loses to Stirk Daddy by 15.2. His leading scorer was Calvin Ridley with 14.8. Yuck. And Stirk's leading scorer was David Johnson, 28.2. So Jake goes to two and four. Week seven, Jake beat Andy by 18.8. His leading scorer was Derek Carr with 19.72. So we can see here a lot of these leading scores are not scoring much. Andy's leading scorer was Tyler Lockett with 16.8. Jake moved to 3-4. In week 8, Jake beat me by 9.7. His leading scorer was, once again, Aaron Jones with 41.6. Man. My leading scorer was Saquon Barkley with 28.3. So Jake moves to 4-4. In week 9, then, Jake lost to Tyler by 50.3. Jake's leading scorer was Derek Carr with 23.5, and Tyler's leading scorer was Kirk Cousins with 27.3. So I'm sure he had a lot of guys go off. Jake moves to 4-5. and five. In Week 10, Jake beats D. Sladke by 33.2. His leading scorer was Aaron Jones with 27.3. D. Sladke's leading scorer was Jarvis Landry with 24.7. After Week 10, Jake is 5-5. Five and five. In week 11, he claps the hell out of Randy by 67.5. Jake's leading scorer was DJ Chark with 30.4. And then Randy's leading scorer was Dalvin Cook with 16.7. Gross. Randy didn't even score 100. So Jake moves to 6 and 5. Week 12, Jake loses to Ryan once again by (laughs) 91.2. And Baker Mayfield was his leading scorer with 29.58. Lamar Jackson does it again and scores 46.2. Jake then moves to 6-6. To end the season, Jake gets clapped again by Will. 53.5 point deficit. Jake's leading scorer was Devin Singletary with 19.1. Will's leading scorer was Aaron Rodgers with 36.1. So we look at his season. He went 6-7 and and misses the playoffs. We are going to come right back and talk about Jake's upcoming season.
So knowing that Jake ended the season at 6-7, and seven, let's take a look at his 2020 season and see if it is any better, according to Sleeper and our projections. So in week one, Jake plays against Andy. Sleeper is projecting that Jake is going to win 141.5 to 132.4. We look at this matchup, of course, there is no buys in week one. Jake has Baker Mayfield going against the Ravens. Some other notable matchups are going to be Mark Andrews against the Cleveland Browns. Devin Singletary against a really bad Jets defense. Look over on Andy's side. Of course, she has her three rookies in her starting lineup. And then she has her usual IDPs. Jake's IDPs are Carlos Dunlap, Tremaine Edmonds, Jamal Adams, and Shaquille Barrett. So with all of that in mind, Jake moves to 1-0 on the season. In week two, then, Jake plays against Ryan, and Sleeper is projecting that he will lose 150.35 to 161.31, so about an 11-point loss. If we look at this matchup here, of course, Jake gets to play Ryan twice again. I wonder if Lamar is going to go off twice. So Ryan's running backs, he's got Kamara, Drake, and Fournette all in the starting lineup. But then his wide receivers, he's got Galladay, DJ Moore, and DJ Chark. He's got two DJs now. And Jake on the other side has, of course, Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon. Calvin Ridley's playing against the Dallas Cowboys. And then we have Devin Singletary against the Dolphins, who have an improved defense, but still not great. Sleeper has Jake moving to 1-1. One and one. We look at week three, Jake is playing against Justin. And in this matchup, Sleeper is projecting that he loses by .61. So in this matchup, Jake actually is projected to have Drew Locke in the starting lineup against Tampa Bay, maybe in a shootout game. And then his running backs, he's got Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones against the Eagles and the Saints. Those also might be good matchups. On the other side, Justin, for his running backs, has Jonathan Taylor and Tariq Cohen. And the tight end, he surprisingly has Jace Sternberger. And he's still projected to win by .61, even with Phil Lindsay and Carrion Johnson in his flex. Of course, he has Derwin James there, who would look really nice on my roster. And then Jake has his usual four IDPs. So with this matchup in mind, Jake moves to one and two. In week four, Jake is matched up against me. And in this matchup, Sleeper is projecting that I will win by 24 points. Of course, I have my star-studded lineup with Mahomes, Barkley, Connor, Hopkins, and Thielen, and Kelsey. On Jake's side, it once again is projecting he will have Drew Locke, Joe Mixon, and Aaron Jones. He's got Mike Williams there and the flex. So if we look at some of those matchups, T.Y. Hilton's matchup against the Bears, that's not the best matchup there for Jake. For IDPs, he's got his usual four. I have my usual four there. After this matchup, Sleeper has Jake moving to one and three. In week five, Jake is going up against Will, and we finally have two teams that are on by. We have the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. For Jake, he only has one player that's on by, but it's a rather impactful one, it is Aaron Jones. With that in mind, Jake now has Joe Mixon and Devin Singletary as his running backs. And now has Darius Slayton in his flex. I also assumed a six-game pup for Sony Michelle, as he is probably not going to play. But even if he would be playing, Sleeper does not have him projected for many points. Sleeper also projects Jake to have Derek Carr in this matchup against the Chiefs. So they're expecting kind of a shootout with little to no defense. He also has Mark Andrews against the Bengals. 
Now, even with all this in mind, it's, Sleeper still has him losing by 13.3. On Will's side, he now has Le'Veon Bell and Austin Eckler. In his flex, he has Tevin Coleman and James White. And Tyler Higby also is there playing against the Washington Redskins. That should be an absolute clapping by the Rams. Jake now moves to 1-4. and four. In week 6, Jake is playing against Stirk Daddy. So Sleeper is projecting that Jake is going to win this matchup by 19 points. Teams that are on bye include the Patriots, the Raiders, the Seahawks, and the Saints. For Jake, that includes Jameis Winston, Derek Carr, Sony Michelle, Mark Heasley, Greg Olson, and that is all. So when we look at the roster here, Sleeper once again has Jake starting Drew Locke against the Dolphins and Sterk having Josh Allen against the Chiefs. In the running backs, Sterk is projected to start David Johnson and J.K. Dobbins since the Seahawks are on bye for Carson. If you look at his flex, Sterk is going to have Melvin Gordon and Will Fuller there in his two spots, but Sleeper still hasn't projected to lose by nine points. With all of that in mind, Jake is going to be moving to two and four. In week seven, Jake is going up against D. Sladkey. There are four teams on by this week, being the Colts, the Jaguars, the Vikings, and the Titans. That would include Marlon Mack, probably won't be started, T.Y. Hilton, so that's a big starter, Trey Burton, DeForest Buckner, so potential IDP starter there. Sleeper is projecting that Jake will start Baker Mayfield against the Bengals, with D. Sladkey starting Carson Wentz against the Giants. Of course, D. Sladkey has Christian McCaffrey and Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and Jarvis Landier and Stephon Diggs in his wide receiver positions. In Jake's wide receiver positions, he now has Darius Slayton slotted in as the wide receiver too, and Devin Singletary and Mike Williams in his flex. Sleeper is projecting that Jake loses by 10 points, moving him to 2-5. and five. With that in mind, I am going to pass it over to Ryan to talk about Week 8. Yep, in Week 8, Jake will play Tyler, and Sleeper projects a win for Jake, 139.51 to 131.87. A lot of buys um, this week. We have the Cardinals, the Ravens, the Broncos, the Texans, the Steelers, and the Redskins. Uh, Looking at the matchups for Jake, we have uh, Joe Mixon against Tennessee, and Aaron Jones versus Minnesota in the running back positions. Um, we have Greg Olson starting versus San Francisco. That might be an interesting matchup there. Um, on Tyler's end, we have Daryl Henderson playing Miami. Could be a big day for uh, Daryl Henderson. And uh, C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup both playing Philadelphia slotted for the wide receiver positions. Uh, with this win, uh, Jake will move to 3-5. and five. Looking at week 9, uh, Jake is uh, projected from Sleeper to lose uh, by about 4 points. Uh, he's playing Steve. The buys we have this week are the Bengals, the Browns, the Rams, and the Eagles. Uh, Slated to start for Jake is Drew Locke versus Atlanta. And some tough matchups with Aaron Jones, San Francisco, and uh, Sony Michelle should have a good day against the Jets. 
Also, Mark Andrews is playing Indianapolis, which could have a big day. On Steve's end, uh, Emmanuel Sanders is playing uh, Tampa Bay, and slated to start is Mark Ingram and uh, Zeke uh, in the running back's position. Also, Daniel Jones is slated to start for Steve uh, versus Washington, so potentially a big day there. Uh, with this loss, um, Jake moves to 3-6. and six. Looking ahead at week 10, Jake will play the defending champion, Randy, and again, uh, loses pretty significantly, projected by Sleeper, 160 to 138. Uh, this week's buys include Falcons, Cowboys, Chiefs, and Chargers. Um, and I feel like this is the point where Jake might get some issues with the depth pieces and hitting a lot of the buys. So in this matchup, Jake actually is slated to have no kicker, which is interesting. Um, and, you know, typical IDPs are starting, and Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones are going to lead the charge in his running back positions. Uh, Randy uh, has a star-studded uh, roster, as we, we all know. Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb are playing some favorable matchups. So with that uh, loss in Week 10, uh, yeah, Jake will move to three and seven. Another big bye week is week 11 as Jake will play Mike. Bye weeks include Bills, Bears, Dolphins, Giants, Jets, and 49ers. So some of the matchups that we will see from Jake is Baker Makefield will play Philadelphia. And Joe Mixon should have a really big day against Washington. Uh, Devin Singletary is on bye as well as Deion Lewis. Jake has returned his kicker and has started Sony Michelle and Mike Williams in the flex. Uh, looking at little slide side, uh, Derrick Henry is going to have a pretty interesting matchup against Baltimore and Todd Gurley in New Orleans. Uh, Tyree Kill is going to be going to Las Vegas, so potentially have a big game there. Um, with this 11-point loss, uh, Jake will move to 3-8. and eight. Entering week 12, and this is no buys for any team, and Jake will be playing Andy or Mrs. Burrow. Jake will is slated to win for, for uh, Sleeper's projections and move to 4-8. and eight. A couple matchups I'd like to note here. Uh, Joe Mixon is facing against the Giants, and Aaron Jones versus the Bears. Should be some good matchups there. On Andy's side, uh, Joe Burrow is actually playing the Giants, and... She has her typical running back duo with DeAndre Swift in Houston and Zach Moss taking on the Chargers. So with this nice, impressive win, um, the sleeper projections uh, will move Jake to 4-8. and eight. Moving on to week 13, two bye weeks um, for the Panthers and the Buccaneers as Jake will face yours truly. Wow, 0.41 loss. <laughs> Should be an interesting uh, sling shootout here. Obviously, I uh, got my Lamar Jackson MVP starting and my typical um, you know, superheroes on my squad. Jake has Joe Mixon in Miami and Aaron Jones in Philadelphia in the running back position. Mark Andrews against Dallas should be a big game for him. For me, no DJ Moore, which is sad um, as, as bye weeks are going to hit me as well. Um, Jake has no buys for his team, so he should be fully loaded and looking forward to this Week 13 matchup against 
myself. So with this slight loss to me, uh, Jake will move to four and nine. So if we go back and we look at kind of our projections right now, Sleeper is projecting Jake at four and nine. We did see in there that there were two losses in which he was projected to lose by less than a point. So those will be very intriguing matchups. What is your projection for Jake's team? Uh, I'm going to go actually with the sleeper projection as well. And for a nine, I think he's going to win some of these really close matchups. I think, you know, as we looked at his last year's schedule, he got clapped or did some clapping the last five games. Um, I think he's going to be a little more competitive this year. I still don't think he's going to make the playoffs, unfortunately. I think it's going to be kind of a rebuild year and, you know, moving forward. Um, so I have him slated at four and nine. So my projection for Jake is a little more generous. I have Jake at five and eight. You know, to be honest, with his running backs and how good they are, we could also see Jake having a winning record this season if they really carry him. But also I think that he does need to address that quarterback position because a lot of his guys are more middling. Probably wants to find a guy that he can start every single week rather than, as we saw, bouncing between guys here and there. And then some of his flex positions uh, might need a little bit of work as well but he's really good at the tight end he does have a couple really good running backs and he has some good young wide receivers with calvin ridley and debo samuel so we will see what happens with that next week on for the throne dynasty podcast i will be joined by justin and we are going to be doing three episodes because i will be going on a two-week road trip so the episodes we'll be recording next week are going to be Will's episode, Little Slads' episode, and then my episode. We will see you next week for a mega week of projections and podcasts.